Hi, my name is Autumn Dixon, and this week is March 20th through the 26th. Now, last week I talked about Jairus and his daughter, and his story is intermingled with the story of the woman with the issue of blood. However, this week actually also includes that same story, and I want to talk about that story. So, quick recap. Christ is on his way to go heal Jairus' daughter, and she has had an issue of blood for 12 years. She reaches out and touches his garment as he's passing by, and he stops, and he's like, who touched me? I felt virtue go out of me. She comes forward trembling, and he ministers to her. Now, there are a couple of details that I kind of hyper-focused on, and these details can teach us some awesome principles. So, the first detail that stuck out to me. Christ pauses and he's like, who touched me? And he he's adamant that virtue has gone out of him. And so she steps forward. This is what happens. It's Luke chapter eight and it's verse 47. And it says, and when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. So she came trembling. Now, everything that I want to talk about in this section, disclaimer, are conclusions that I have drawn off of very few details. However, regardless of whether those conclusions are 100% accurate, (laughs) the principles are. So I don't feel bad teaching it. So in order to understand, when we read this story and we read that she was trembling, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And we kind of pass over that detail. But in order to fully appreciate the fact that she was trembling, I feel like we have to understand two things. One, ancient Jewish culture, and just a little bit of basic trauma psychology. Now the first one, culture. So this woman had an issue of blood, which meant she was unclean which meant that she was not allowed to participate in the temple and she was ostracized from society because of it. Now, there were sometimes when you become unclean, there are different ways to become unclean. And there were certain experiences that you could have where you're unclean and you could do some ritualistic cleanings and then you're fine. But she could not ritualistically clean away her issue of blood. She tried really hard to get rid of that issue of blood, but she could not do it which meant that she had been ostracized from society for 12 years. Now, there is a trauma associated with homelessness in and of itself, right? She had spent all of her money on doctors. And so it wasn't likely that she had a home if she had spent all of her living And because she was unclean, she also likely didn't have anyone to turn to for shelter. And so she was homeless for 12 years, which that's a lot of trauma in and of itself. Now, when you combine that with the fact that she was likely touch starved or another way of putting it is touch deprived, that can cause a lot of trauma as well. Being touch deprived Touch deprivation or touch starvation is when you literally just haven't had any physical connection with another human. And it is very real. It is so real that if babies aren't cuddled and loved and touched, 
they can experience something called failure to thrive and they can literally die. Or when elderly people are taken out of the home and placed in a nursing home and aren't adequately touched or hugged or their family doesn't come to visit them, they decline very rapidly. Touch deprivation and starvation is a very real thing. Humans were meant to have connection, mental, emotional, spiritual connection, but also physical connection with others. And so I wondered, well, so she experienced this touch deprivation for 12 years. It made me wonder if she was ever given the opportunity to get married and have children. And that in and of itself could have been a very lonely ache to not have family, to be on your own. But I also wondered if she had gotten married and had children, were they taken away from her when she became unclean because she got sick? And I cannot imagine the trauma associated with that. Anyway, so when a brain experiences trauma, so this is the basic trauma psychology. When the brain experiences trauma, it changes the way that it reacts to things. So when we look at a war veteran, who has PTSD from wartime, right? So they hear a motorcycle misfire and they dive under a car to protect themselves. Well, what happened in the brain is all at all times, your brain is bringing tons of information from your eyes, your ears, your nose. You are taking in information into your brain. When trauma is brought into the brain, so for example, this war veteran has had a lot of time when he has been bringing in trauma, so gunshots and scary things, right? What the brain learns to do is completely bypass the decision-making process in your brain and it just automatically reacts. And it, you don't get to make a decision about how you're going to react to stimuli. Your body just does it for you because your brain is trying to keep you alive. So this wartime veteran hears a motorcycle misfire. His brain completely bypasses his decision-making process. He dies under a car. He never even had a choice. His body just reacted. She was trembling, right? She had that, that reaction. She fell down into feet. She was trembling and terrified, even though Christ hadn't done anything to make her scared, right, about how he would respond. She was likely very fearful of how he would respond. Would he be angry that she had touched him because she was unclean? Is that why she touched his garment instead of touching him, right? Would he be horrified that she had touched him? Would the crowd be angry that she was mingling among them because she was unclean? How much rejection had she experienced over the course of 12 years that caused her to have these feelings and this trembling happen immediately? Now, like I said, this is these conclusions were drawn off of very few details. However, it makes so much sense as to why Christ would have stopped when he was on his way somewhere very urgent, right? Perhaps his blood issue was not super apparent to others. And she, first of all, needed to be physically touched to have that experience. But maybe others needed to know that she had been cleansed by Christ in order to accept her back into society. Maybe she needed to know that she had been cleansed and made whole 
so that she felt comfortable assimilating back into society. Maybe that assurance was absolutely essential for her to completely heal, not just from her blood issue, but from trauma, because you literally have to heal from trauma. Your brain reacts differently because of trauma, and she needed that healing as well. Now, trauma, the actual trauma part is invisible. It's quiet. Symptoms of trauma and actions that result from trauma can be very loud, very, very loud, but the trauma itself is invisible. Now, we can read her story. We can learn about ancient Jewish culture and all of these different things and about what she might have experienced, and we can know that she had a really rough 12 years. And so it makes a lot of sense as to why she was trembling, which is probably why we didn't hyper-focus on the detail that she was trembling, because it's like, oh yeah, she's had a hard life. Like, of course she was scared. Unfortunately, (laughs) we are surrounded by a lot of people that we can't read their story. And they have likely experienced their own trauma. In fact, the more I learn about trauma, the more I feel like everybody has experienced different kinds of traumas to different levels. Anyway, I digress. If we could read the people around us, if we could read their stories in the same way that we read her story, perhaps their actions and choices that seem unwise or unhelpful might suddenly make sense and a light might go on. I guess the reason that I emphasize this is because I want to teach that that's precisely why we should follow Christ's example. To stop, to minister, even if we're on our way somewhere in a hurry, to stop and minister. And to show compassion, even if we don't know why they need compassion. It's very likely because of who Christ was that he knew why she needed compassion. And regardless of whether we know why others need compassion, maybe they're acting out, maybe they're mean, right? Regardless of whether we know why they need compassion, we should show compassion. Now, second detail that I want to pull out of this story. So the fact that Christ is being wronged by this huge crowd on his way with Jairus to go heal a daughter. And he's like, who touched me? And the apostles are like, who touched you? (laughs) And he says, I perceive that virtue has gone out from me, basically. Now there's a quote in the Institute Annual that really, I guess, gave me an aha moment. So I'm going to read that really quick. So New Testament Institute Manual. It says the prophet Joseph Smith recorded an experience that helps us understand the virtue or spiritual strength that is required of a priesthood holder when administering to others. Elder Jedediah M. Grant inquired of me, so this is Joseph Smith speaking, inquired of me the cause of my turning pale and losing strength last night while blessing children. I told him that I saw that Lucifer would exert his influence to destroy the children that I was blessing, and I strove with all the faith and spirit that I had to seal upon them a blessing that would secure their lives upon the earth. And so much virtue went out of me into the children that I became weak, from which I had not yet recovered. And I referred to the case of the woman touching the hem of the garment of Jesus. The virtue here referred to is the spirit of life, a man who exercises great faith in administering to the sick, blessing little children, or confirming is liable to become weakened. Now, I think that applies to more than just blessing giving priesthood blessings. I know because I'm a woman and I've experienced it. 
it takes something out of you to give that. And I think it was important for me to read this quote from Joseph Smith, because I feel like when I would originally read this story about Jesus is like, virgin has gone out of me. I guess I just associated it as this like omnipotent thing that happens that because of who Jesus Christ is, that he could just sense when spiritual energy came off of him. Then I just kind of just like, was like, that's a Jesus thing. Reading that a servant of Christ also had this experience makes me realize that it's something different than I originally realized. Now, it reminds me of Joseph Smith's first experience with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and the angel Moroni, right? He fainted because <laughs> he was exhausted. Or that story about Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon, they had this wonderful vision and Sidney's like about to pass out after the vision and Joseph Smith's like, <laughs> he's not as used to it as I am, right? When you have spent some time really ministering to someone who really needs it, have you ever felt tired? Or have you ever felt like you really needed to sleep after a big church conference? Or have you ever had that experience in general conference where you have reached your peak revelation intake level and there's still two sessions left of general conference? Or have you ever just felt really weary after a long period of time of praying and praying and praying and pleading for your little circle of people? Or I think of people who are sitting in a hospital room with a loved one praying and pleading and praying and pleading and they're exhausted even though they haven't left the hospital room, right? Or I think if you've chosen to serve a mission, have you ever wondered why you were so exhausted all the time, even though you probably got way more sleep than you ever did as a college freshman? <laughs> it takes something out of you spiritual strength out of you to minister. Now, it is important to understand this for two reasons. Reason number one. Reason number one is that you have to nourish yourself in order to give, right? So it's very easy to see in our temporal, our physical bodies, that if you want your body to be able to perform all the amazing things that it can perform, you need to nourish it. All of the best fitness people, nutrition people that you want to follow will tell you this. You need to nourish your body if you want your body to do wonderful things. It's the same spiritually. There comes a point when you're no longer praying about whether the scriptures are true, whether Joseph Smith was a prophet, whether the Book of Mormon is a real account of people who knew Jesus Christ. You stop asking about whether it's true. And so why keep reading if you know it's true and you're starting to live those commandments? Well, it's because there's a, some kind of literal spiritual energy you need to bring in nourishment to your spirit so that you can perform all the incredible miracles that the Lord wants you to perform in his name. You have to nourish in order to be able to give. Second reason why this would be important to understand. Spiritual stamina. Now, like I said, Joseph Smith, he fainted the first time he saw Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and the angel Moroni. It took a lot out of him. But as time went on, he was able to get stronger and have more spiritual stamina and be able to handle these great spiritual experiences. Heavenly Father wants to give us more. There will come a day when you are meant to stand in front of your Savior, Jesus Christ. And though we don't talk about, talk about it a lot, I believe that that day can happen as soon as we're prepared. 
part of that preparation means building up this spiritual stamina, having lots of spiritual experiences so that our spirit becomes, so that our spirit gains a greater capacity for spiritual things so that we can handle it, basically. This is a literal concept. Christ felt it extend from him. He felt virtue go out from him, right? Joseph Smith felt it. We have felt it. Even if we didn't consciously recognize what it was, we have felt that. Christ wants to give us more. He can only give us what we're prepared to receive. And it's so much more than just having this solid knowledge foundational base. It's about having the spiritual capacity to receive spiritual things, right? It's about having the capacity to receive spiritual things. I am grateful for my Savior, Jesus Christ. I am grateful for how he leads us along on our own individual paths. I'm grateful that he loves us enough that he wants to give us more, that he knows us perfectly so he knows how much we can handle. (laughs) I'm grateful that he's patient with us as we work towards being prepared for him and becoming like him. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.